Thank you for the good singing tonight, church, and I do want to thank you for being faithful to the, the evening service as we uh, are able to hear from uh, Gage and Aaliyah Gilbert and what God is doing all around the world. And, and uh, it goes without saying, but, uh, but we know that Greenland uh, is one of those regions that is most definitely the uttermost. And uh, we've been going through the book of Acts and, and understanding how it is God's will to, uh, to reach all the world. Uh, just those in our community right here uh, around Jackson County and the surrounding counties, but also is to the far regions of places like uh, Greenland. I hope you have been able to get a prayer card. If not, I want to say and remind you that they're there for you to get on your way out tonight. And be sure to uh, let Gage and Aaliyah know that you appreciate them being here and that you'll be praying for Forum and uh, look forward to what uh, God is doing. And I want you to also share with us, uh, Brother Gage, on your secret, okay? Your secret of keeping your youth so vibrant, all right? Now, you me tell you now, y'all me to tell you what the secret is he told me earlier. Should I let him know? I can, it's not a problem. Well, he scored so high on the SAT in the sixth grade, he got a high school diploma in, in the sixth grade. And I'm just kidding, really, just kidding. <laughs> Come on, Gage, you present the ministry to us. We're so thankful for you, brother. Amen. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. I usually get up and tell people I promise I'm out of middle school, um, so I like to get that out of the way before we uh, get going tonight. People come up to me all the time and say, how old are you? And I say 12. And they kind of look at me and, no, no, I'm, I'm not 12. So anyways, but it is a blessing to be with you all. We are thankful for the opportunity. Um, God has been so good to us in such a uh, great way as we've been on deputation and being an opportunity um, just to seek to serve the Lord. As we go on deputation, and I've been for a year and a half now in different churches around the country, uh, we seek to be a blessing uh, to God's people, but God's people are so much even more of a blessing to us. And I just want to say thank you uh, for your hospitality. I want to thank Pastor for letting us come and for taking us out for a good lunch this afternoon and for letting us hang out here at the church. And uh, it's just a real blessing uh, to see God working. Amen. We still serve a living Savior. He's still saving souls. And as we're on deputation, we get to um, see God working. So many times it's um, we're in our own you know circles and, and so forth, and it's, it's hard to see maybe what God's doing. But God is working all around this country, all around this world, and we're excited to be a small part of what God wants to do um, in the country of Greenland. And I'm just thankful for the opportunity that God is giving us while we're on deputation uh, to be able just to share a little bit about that. In just a few moments, we'll show a video that the Lord will and give you a little more information of what God has called us to do. But before we get to there, i just like to, um, I don't know about you, but when I first heard about the need in Greenland, I could tell you very little about it. I could tell you it was north and it was cold. And that was about my knowledge of the extent of the country of Greenland. And in 2009, uh, during a camp, Camp Bimmy, it's a mission camp that BIMI, our, our uh, mission board, holds every year. And uh, they showed a video of 10 countries the Lord had recently opened to get the gospel into. And I showed, told you this morning I would share how God had opened up the door really in a miraculous way. And as I was sitting there, it was maybe about a minute and a half clip on the country of Greenland. And the Scholl family, who we'll be working with, Lord willing, and you'll see their picture uh, up on the screen in a few moments, but they began to share how God had miraculously opened up the door for them to get in the country. And I sat there um, as, I guess, a 16-year-old kid and began to say, God, is this a place where you could use me? Um, I'm willing to go if this is a place where you could use me. And I began to hear the Shoals' testimony and hear how God had worked. And so Greenland was really a closed country in the sense that you could only come in for a year, and then you had to leave, and you were not allowed back in as a missionary. 
And so this family began to pray, God, would you open up this country? As far as we know, there's no gospel-preaching church in Greenland, and um, we want to see you do a work in these about 75 villages and towns up and down the coast of Greenland. And so they began to pray, and they were told, if you go to Iceland for seven years, you can get Nordic citizenship. And so they went to Iceland. They were going to spend the next seven years of their life there so they could get into Greenland. Well, the Lord did a miracle. After only two years there, they met a lady who I believe was in the American military, and she said, I have a connection with a Danish major, because, of course, Greenland's owned by Denmark, and I said, I think he might be able to help you. And so they got in contact with this Danish major, and long story short, he said, why don't you refill out your application, put my name on it. And so they did that, and about three months later, into Greenland they went. And so God used um, just a, a major in the military there to help them get into the country. And then, long story short again, they've been there 12 years, um, have been able to start the Alulasat Baptist Church. And again, that was a miracle because they got to Greenland, and then the government tried to say there's all these rules and regulations. You have to have so many people coming to your church and all these things. And again, they began to pray. So the head of the tax department flew over from Denmark, met with Brother Scholl, and at the end of that meeting, he signed off and said, oh, yes, you can start an independent Baptist church in this town, and then we're going to allow you to be the one to have the opportunity and privilege to invite other missionaries into the country uh, to start additional churches. And so God took what was a, we thought, as a closed door and has really in the last 12 years or so flung it wide open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I sat there and, and heard that story, man, God just began to, to work on my heart and to see the need for the Inuit people, those who are really um, been without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for what God has done. Another family has just moved there in the last year and a half, and they're laboring there in the town of Alulasat, Greenland, uh, through Alulasat Baptist Church. But having said what God's done, there's also a great opportunity and a great need, as there's about 75 villages and towns up and down mostly the west coast of Greenland, and only one of those that we know of, Alulasat, that has a gospel preaching work of any kind. And so we are um, excited about what God has called us to do. And so our goal is to be able to go in and, Lord willing, probably for our first term or so on the field, uh, to be a help in the Shoals ministry as we learn um, really two languages in the sense of Danish because it's the trade language, but also the Greenlandic language is the native tongue that's spoken there. And so we'll have many opportunities. God has blessed them with a boat ministry, which is a unique ministry in the sense that there is no roads in between towns in Greenland. So you can't just hop in your car and <laughs> drive on down to the next town. If you want to get to the next town, you either have to fly um, or you can boat in the summer months. And so God has blessed them with a, with a pretty large boat that they can reach about 20 villages and towns. As far as we know, maybe for the first time in the summers, being able to go in, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, praying that God might allow some works to be started in those small villages and communities. But God has also opened up the prison ministry, uh, which is such a unique thing. Greenland's unique in the sense um, that the max sentence for murder in Greenland is only seven years. And most people only spend five. And so it's, it's a unique, kind of a unique system. But we had the opportunity when I was there to go in um, with Brother Scholl when we were on our survey trip last February. And probably there was maybe 12 or 13 guys that came. Brother Scholl was able to preach to them in their language. I would say that probably most of the guys were my age or younger. And he looked over at me and said, see that guy over there and that guy over there? Um, that guy has killed a couple of people and that guy. And here we were packed into this little room. But he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with these men. And I think we played a simple game of, like, tic-tac-toe. Man, I've never seen a bunch of 20-year-old guys have so much fun playing a simple game of tic-tac-toe. But I can remember one of the, the guys, kind of in his broken English, tried to tell me and looked, pointed at Brother Shoal and said, That guy cares about us. He's willing to come and show us he loves us and show us about a God who loves us. And, man, that really um, stirred my heart, too, of these people that are really looking for hope, um, looking for something to satisfy a need in their lives. And so what do they turn to? They turn to the drugs. They turn to the alcohol. They, they turn to suicide, many of them in these small-knit communities, looking for something to give them hope. 
And I'm thinking, wow, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one thing uh, that has the opportunity and um, will give hope in one's life. And so we're excited about that, to have the opportunity to work with them. And then our long-term goal is to move just 300 miles south to the capital city of Nuuk. Um, It's the largest community in Greenland. And again, as far as we know, there's no gospel preaching witness there. And so we desire to see a church planted in that town. And um, then if God leads, and of course this is down the road, but we'd love to see some sort of Bible institute started to help train some of these young people to be able to go back into their communities and villages and uh, see God begin to do a work. And so as we watch this video here in just a moment, would you maybe obey the command of our Lord Jesus Christ? We'd all be willing to do that when he says to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. And sometimes when we think of that, we think about laborers in Greenland or Africa or South America. Um, but, you know, Pastor even mentioned laboring here at the, at the club, at the Bible club here in the, in the local school and opportunities that God gives us. And as we pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest, would we be, would we be willing to say, Lord, that's, I'd be willing to go. I'd be willing to be that labor. And he asks us to pray that. Why? Because The harvest truly is plenteous. There's those souls who still need to hear, who still need to know what Jesus Christ has done for them. And then that really sad thought that harvest, yes, is truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so as you see the the people um, that God has called us to, as you see the place that God has called us to, uh, would you pray that God would send forth more laborers, not just to the country of Greenland, and yes, we are praying for more laborers there, but into his harvest field for those many souls who still need to hear what Christ has done for them. So if we can go ahead now rather than show this video at this time. Greenland is really a spectacular place uh, with beautiful views, um, a diverse wildlife, and really a unique culture. But for hundreds and even thousands of years now, they have lived in spiritual darkness. Uh, Because of their remote villages and their difficult way of life, many Greenlanders would struggle with loneliness, with depression, um, and substance abuse, which in many cases in their lives would lead to suicide. Uh, For centuries, the Inuit have practiced shamanism, which is really just a form of spirit worship. But in the 1700s, Lutheranism was introduced to them by the first Danish settler who was, happened to be a Danish missionary who came over seeking to proselytize them. Today, most Greenlanders would claim to be Christian, but really all they've done is blended their superstitious mindset and traditions with the false teaching of Lutheranism, which would say that you can get saved through baby baptism. And even a retired Lutheran priest admitted that 
No man could know that they were on their way to heaven. These people are in desperate need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, my name is Ronnie Gilbert, pastor of Lakewood Baptist Church in Harrison, Tennessee. I want to wholeheartedly recommend to you Gage and Aaliyah Gilbert, missionaries to the pioneering mission field of Greenland. I understand what John said and what he meant when he penned the words. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Gage and Aaliyah have answered the call of God to go to a difficult part of the world and give the gospel to a needy group of people. Here's a young couple that have proven themselves committed and faithful to the task. They are actively pursuing to get to the country of Greenland. And so I want to ask you, pastor and you churches, if you would consider investing once again in the gospel message, and this time investing in a young couple who are willing to go with your help to get them there. I believe the the dividends will pay throughout of all of eternity. Thank you. I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior at the age of 15. Shortly after that, I surrendered to serve the Lord in full-time Christian ministry. The following summer, I had the opportunity to attend Camp Bimmy, which is a mission camp that seeks to answer the question, where do I fit in missions? In that week, I surrendered to be a church planning missionary. Towards the end of that week, a video was shown, and for the first time, I saw the need to get the gospel in Greenland. And I knew that a call to the ministry was a call to prepare, and so the Lord led me to Ambassador Baptist College, where I majored in missions. And after my junior year of college, the Lord allowed me to go to uh, spend eight weeks in Baffin Island, northern Canada, on my missions internship. And I saw firsthand the need to get the gospel to the Inuit. And then it was because of that trip that I surrendered to the call on my life to go to the Inuit of Greenland. I was five years old when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. A few years later, I surrendered my life to the Lord for full-time service during a week at Challenge Christian Camp. When I was 12 years old, the Holy Spirit began to convict me about not having a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I began to spend time in God's Word and in prayer. After high school, God led me to Ambassador Baptist College where I studied music. Not long after I met Gage, God began to work on our hearts to knit us together and to show us that it was his will for us to marry and to serve him together in Greenland. As far as we know, the gospel of Jesus Christ has only been in Greenland for the last 12 years uh, through the ministry of the Shoals. It was really through a miraculous set of circumstances that the Lord allowed the Shoals to be able to enter Greenland, uh, to see a church planted, and uh, really begin to see God work in that country and now have the opportunity and privilege to invite other missionaries into the country uh, to start additional churches. You know, Acts 26 and verse 18 says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You know, the gospel is the only message that will bring these people hope and really in the midst of their darkness and despair. In our first term or so on the field, the Lord has really given us many opportunities uh, to serve Him. We'll have opportunities in music, um, in preaching, and um, at the prison ministry, through the boat ministry, as we seek to really to learn the Danish and Greenlandic languages and really get a hold uh, of the Greenlandic culture. And then as God leads, our long-term goal is to move just 300 miles south down to the capital city of Nuke and see the first Baptist church in Nuke started. Uh, We're excited to see what God is going to do um, in the days ahead. 
Would you consider partnering with us as we seek to go into our part of the world, into Greenland, and preach the gospel to every creature? Well, I hope that helps a little bit tonight. Uh, maybe answer a few questions about what God has called us to do. And again, we are excited about what God is doing, um, what he has done, but what we believe he wants to do in the days ahead in the country of Greenland and to see these Inuit people reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's exciting to take the gospel where really the gospel, at least in some time, has not been. And uh, we're excited about what God has called us to do and the opportunities that he's given us. Again, as I mentioned this morning, uh, we'd ask that you would grab a prayer card and uh, pray for us. But as you pray for us, would you pray that God would begin already to work in the hearts of the Inuit, um, that God would begin to soften hearts uh, to the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'd appreciate your prayers as we're on deputation. Uh, We've been on deputation about a year and a half and about 75% of our support and praying that God might allow us to be able to finish up by May of this coming year in 2020. And then, uh, Lord willing, this summer, we'd appreciate your prayers as we are looking at this point to go to Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, for a number of months of language school uh, to learn the Danish language. And then as soon as we finish that, uh, being able to head to the field. Um, at, at this point, we're praying about spring of 2021 after our language training. And so we'd uh, just appreciate your prayers. Um, it's just we, we realize the task that's ahead of us, but we serve a big God. Amen. And he's willing uh, to work. He's willing to give us the strength we need. And he's willing to still save souls. And we're just excited to be just a small part um, of what God wants to do in the country of Greenland in the days ahead. And so if um, Pastor said I could open it up for a few questions now. Um, Hopefully I answered some of your questions uh, through the video and so forth. Um, But would anyone have any questions about uh, maybe anything about us or anything about the country um, that God has called us to? Yes, ma'am. So English is not very very well spoken, no ma'am. Um, in the large communities like the capital city, you will find some Danish people um, that will speak English. But the primary language is Danish because it's the trade language. Um, and then the Greenlandic language, especially in the smaller communities, is spoken um, pretty heavy. But yeah, you won't find – you might be able to communicate like, hello, how are you, the basic things. But especially when it comes to giving the gospel and things, you won't find a whole lot of English. Good question. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I would say they're not really... Most Greenlanders would tell you they're part of the Lutheran Church. Um, but a lot of times that means even you'll find it here. You know, I, I go to church on Christmas and Easter. Um, I, attend the, I attend, you know, the Mass in their case and those, those things. But most of them aren't very um, involved, I would say. Uh, they would tell you they're Christian, as I mentioned on the video. Um, but to them, that means I was baptized as a baby and I was confirmed at 13. Um, but have no understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And what he's done for them. And it's, they really mix their religions. And so it's of the animism, the spirit worship. And so they're just confused. Um, and so you really have to go back to Genesis 1-1 and help them understand, first of all, who God is in his character. Um, and then just begin to work them through that. So hopefully that helps answer your question. Yes, ma'am. So th- they do have a Bible um, just recently. Um, in 2007-8, something like that, they got a Bible translated in- into their Greenlandic language for the first time. Um, and so it's, um, I'm not sure they didn't have a Bible, so I'm not sure if they had portions, but I know they didn't at least have a whole Bible. And so, um, anyways, yeah, we're, we're, we're glad that they have something now. And, um, but the, the Danish language does of course have a Bible, but just recently has any work been done? And that's something we would like to help to, um, like for instance, hymns. 
they don't have a hymnal translated into their language. So the missionaries have worked, and they've translated about 150 songs, but there's no music to them, or, you know, it's just the words. And so that's something my wife and I would really like to help them, and we've talked to the Shoals about helping them get a hymnal. They've translated about eight or so tracks. They've had no tracks in their language. So it's just starting from scratch, really, and helping them get some resources that they just haven't had in their language. Yes, sir. So some people will only speak Greenlandic, mostly the older generation. The younger generation, they teach it in the public schools, and especially the larger communities. You'll find mostly Danish, or you'll find a lot that will speak both, you know, or, or Danish. Um, you go to the, some of the small little communities up and down the coast, um, you might not find a whole lot. You'll find a lot of the Greenlandic language. But in the larger communities, you, you'll, you'll be able to communicate with a lot of people in Danish. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So basically, because, as I said, there's no road, so they can't drive over to the next town. And so um, they're able to take the boat in the summer months. And there's a lot of fjords or inlets, and in in those little inlets are little villages, like mostly fishing villages. And so they're able to take their boat up and down uh, the coast there and go into those villages through the boat ministry and then able to preach to them in their language, um, give tracts to them in their language. And they're looking to possibly start a, in the next closest town to them, to start a, a preaching point, and Lord willing, maybe seeing a church planted in one of the, the next closest small village to them. But that's the way they have to reach it in the summer months is through the boat. Um, and so we're thankful that God has given them that ministry and, and beginning to see fruit. And so if you could pray for that ministry, um, they've had a lot of issues with trying to get parts and the boat broke down and trying to fix it. And so um, it's hard to get parts and things up there. And so we're praying that God would continue to work um, in that boat ministry, but it's a it's a neat ministry that God's allowed to happen up there. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> so most of the Inuit people, um, they would be your fishermen. Um, most of the villages are right on the coast, so fishing is big, hunting is big. Um, a lot of them, you know, like carve bones, sell those kind of things, you know, make trinkets and things out of them. Um, but most of your jobs, like your your government jobs, your um, doctors, those kind of things, are mostly Danish people. And so they would come over from Denmark, get paid pretty good money for a two- or three-year contract, and then they would go back and more people. And so um, most of the Inuit, to be honest, it's, it's, it's socialism, and so most of them are provided for by the government. Um, and so a lot of them just don't work, um, don't really have – you know, the government provides everything. So it, you can see it doesn't really create a purpose in their life, um, and it's really another reason that adds to the, the, to the depression, to the suicides, and to the no hope that a lot of them have. Um, because they just the government provides and meets their needs for them. Yes, ma'am. So yeah, so it's it's really hard to reach um, some of those villages during the winter just because it's the ice and the cold. Um, you can fly, but it's very expensive. And some of those small towns only have helicopter pads. They don't even have um, you know a, pl- a way to land a plane. Um, and so the, sh- well, the, sh- the show looked at what it was going to cost them to fly with a helicopter, and it was going to cost them about eight hundred dollars a trip. Um, just to fly over, like 40 miles over to the next town. And so it's a very expensive mode of transportation. So the boat is definitely a lot cheaper. Unfortunately, um, it's, it's harder. So that's why we're praying for more labors. You really need someone in each one of these villages and towns um, to, effectively, to effectively reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's really why we're praying that God might allow us to see some saved, some trained, and being able to help them, their own people, go back into their own villages. Um, and see them reach with the gospel. And we understand that's um, maybe way down the road, but we serve a good God, um, and he's, he's able to do those kind of things, and we're praying that God might do that in the days ahead. 
there's there's a bunch of stories. Um, I don't, you know, who knows what the one we like the best? You can look it up and see. I just one of those things. I don't know if anyone really knows for sure, but um, when Eric the Red, the Vikings, so forth, you go back in your history when he came over around 1000 A.D. and found it. Most of the Viking ruins are on the southern tip. And the southern tip, if you look at our book back there of pictures, it is very green in the summer. Um, it does green up. They have a hot spring. They're able to have sheep farming, everything else down there. And so it's, it's very, um, very green. And the possibility that maybe he landed there and said, hey, this is a green land. Um, it didn't stay for about another month and go about 100 miles north. Um, so who knows if, if that's – but it is pretty green. And it does green up in, during the summer, June, June, July, and August. But it is above the tree line, so there are no trees. But it is very um, – you'll have a lot of low-lying bushes and trees – or excuse me, bushes and flowers and that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so, um, you know, I, of course, part of it's time. <laughs> um, part of it is is there's things that you can do. Um, for instance, we've been told that bringing certain, certain lighting with us, um, that's supposed to help. Just basically look into the. It's supposed to give you the lighting of the sun, the rays of the sun. Um, vitamin D, that kind of stuff, is very helpful in the winter months, especially just to help your body um, acclimate. And so like the Shoals, they've been there 12 years, and they have acclimated pretty well. It's just become part of life for them. Uh, but it does it does take time, from what we understand. And so people ask us all the time, you know, how, how is that going to work? And we're, you're mentally prepared for it, but I, we understand it's another thing to actually to live in it. Um, but for us, we're thankful that we're going to be working with a family that's been there, that's experienced it, um, that knows how to how to help. <laughs> and so that'll be a huge help to a, a young family like us going in. And so we're thankful for that opportunity. And then ultimately, it's God's. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sound cliche at all, but it, it's when God calls, he does give the help and ultimately. And so we're just praying that God would, would help. Uh, we know there will be dark days and we know there will be days that are, might be depressing and so forth. But we serve a God who's willing to, to help us in that. And uh, we're, we know why we're there and we have a purpose of being there. And so that really is what keeps you there uh, when you realize the purpose um, and, and that God has called you to that place. <clears throat> so the Jehovah's Witnesses are there. Um, they've been there for quite some time, from my understanding. Um, and so, yeah, they, they're, I, I don't think they're that effective um, from what I've been told, but they are there. I don't know about the Mormons, but I know that the JWs, at least in the town we're going to be in at Lulisat, um, they've, they've been there for a, for a good number of years. Um, but the main traction is going to be Lutheranism. That's, that's the main, um, definitely the main religion of what most people would claim to be. Anybody else this evening? Some good questions, and I'm, I'm thankful for them. And Yes, yeah, it was asked about um, the suicide rates and, you know, what are the suicide rates and what's maybe the average age. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure what the rate per capita is. I know per capita it's the highest rate um, from what I've read in the world as far as per capita. you got to think most of these towns, like the town we're going to go to originally is 5,000 people. And so, you know, if you just have 10 or 12 people commit suicide in a year, that's a lot of people in a town of 5,000. Um, and so I'm not exactly sure what the rates are, um, but I would say probably um, it's young people are struggling with it. Um, and and uh, there was actually a news organization, a secular news organization from France, I believe. You can find it on YouTube. But they went over and did a like a 15-minute documentary on the east side of Greenland on on suicide. And they interviewed a whole bunch of people and young people. And almost everyone they talked to said, yeah, my, my, my dad committed suicide, my brother, my cousin. They were all touched by this and just – 
basically they were like, we don't have jobs, we don't, we don't know where to turn, so we just commit suicide. Um, and so, man, when my wife and I saw that, it, again, it gave us just a great burden that they need the gospel um, of Jesus Christ. And we have the one thing that can give them light and can give them hope in the midst of their darkness that they're in. And so that's what we're really excited about, the opportunity uh, to be able to, to seek to give hope in the midst when there seemingly is no hope to them. So, okay. Anyone else? Maybe, maybe one more question if there's one. If not, we'll look into God's Word for a few moments this evening. Again, we'll be here for just a few moments afterwards. We'd love to be able to answer any more questions or get to know you all a little bit. I just want to, first of all, say thank you so much, um, again, for your hospitality. It really is a blessing to be with you all and thankful for the opportunity uh, that we've had to be here today and um, see what God is doing here at Crooked Creek Baptist Church. And we'll be praying for you all as well as you minister here in this part of the world. And uh, we're excited about what God is going to do in the days ahead. If you take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 26. Acts, chapter number 26. (coughs) In your Bibles this evening, you just saw this verse on our video. And as my wife and I begin to pray, uh, really for a theme verse, we begin to pray as we started deputation about a year and a half ago. God, would you give us a verse that we could really cling to as um, a theme verse for what you have called us to do in the country of Greenland? And as we took our survey trip last February and spent several weeks up there, um, as I mentioned, the darkness, the depression, the, um, you fly into a, a small-knit community like that, and you and it is, you realize you fly in, and the only way to get out is to, you can get on a boat in the summer months, or you got to get back on a plane and, and fly back out again. And as I began, just in a short period of time, it was easy to see the depression. It was easy to see the people looking for hope, looking for something to satisfy a need in their lives, and so... What does the world turn to? They turn to the drugs. They turn to the alcohol. They turn to immorality. All these things seeking to satisfy a need in their life. And most of them come to the point, of course, um, we know that sin doesn't satisfy in one's life, at least not for any period of time. And they come to the point when that doesn't satisfy in their life and they don't know where to turn. And so, of course, suicide and all these things come into play. And as I begin to think about that, as I begin to think about the darkness they were in, Uh, The Lord really showed us Acts 26 and verse 18. It says again, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And I began to think, wow, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, the thing that is able and has the power to open up the eyes, has the power to turn someone from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, and that can forgive them of their sins. Aren't you thankful that God did that for us? He was willing to come to this earth to live a sinless, perfect life and to die on a cross. Why? Because he loved us. God loved this world. We learned about the love of God this morning and how good God is to us. But he came to give us hope. In the midst of when maybe in our lives we didn't see hope, I'm thankful that uh, someone shared the gospel with me. Someone shared the gospel with you. That we've had the opportunity to hear of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. And as I begin to think about this, I, I begin to think about the power of our testimony. And that's what I'd like to talk about for just a few moments this evening, the power of our testimony. Do we realize this evening that if we're saved, and there's been a point in our life where we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that our testimony is power, not because of who we are, but our testimony is power because of who Jesus Christ is yeah. and what he has done for us. And I won't take the time, but if you were to go back and read Acts chapter number 25... And into Acts chapter number 26, you'll find the Apostle Paul, who God has used in such a great and a mighty way in his life. We know, of course, most of the churches of that time were started 
uh, because of the work of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> we know um, that the majority of our New Testament was written uh, through the hand of the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit of God working in his life. And we find him here. He's towards the end of his life, and he wants to preach the gospel in Rome. He wants to go and preach the gospel to Rome. And we find him here in Acts 25, and Paul is being brought before a council. He's being brought before a group of men, and he's asked to give a defense for himself. We find in the very last verse of Acts chapter number 25, it's verse 27 of Acts 25, it says, For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes <coughs> laid against him. And so the Apostle Paul is brought before this group of men, and they get together and they say, well, Paul wants to go to Rome, but if we're going to send him to Rome, we've got to find something he's done wrong. We've got to accuse him of a crime. So maybe if we bring him in here and get him to talk long enough, maybe we can find something he's done wrong and we can send him on his way. And so they decide to bring the Apostle Paul in. And in verse 26, we find this, um, excuse me, chapter number 26, we find this King Agrippa mentioned. It says in verse 1 of Acts 26, then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. And so King Agrippa seems to be the one, I guess you could say, is the leader of this council. And he's the one who addresses the Apostle Paul. And I, I don't know about you all, but I enjoy history. Um, I enjoy studying history. I enjoy, um, my, my wife will tell you, I enjoy museums too much um, as we travel on deputation. And, and I, I enjoy all the museums. I love going to them. And uh, I was always enjoyed American history, and, and it's, it's, of course, deputation, um, and it's just an extra added blessing that we get to have and, and be able just to see things and, and see part of our history as we travel uh, up and down um, the country here. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for our history. And uh, just recently I thought, well, let me do a little study of my own family history. And so I got on that, what is it, Ancestors.com thing, you know, and where you get that free subscription for like 30 days. And I thought, well, let me, let me see if I can find out some things about your family. You know, it's always scary when you start searching into your family history. Um, <laughs> who knows what you'll find there. But, no, it, it was, I enjoyed that. And, man, I found things about my great uncle who died in World War I and all these things and, and started learning about my family history. And, man, I, I really enjoyed that. And I was sitting here thinking, well, let me do a little background on this King Agrippa. Let's see if I can find out anything about him. And if you... Go back just a couple generations. You'll find there's really in a very prominent family. You'll find, I believe it was his great-grandfather, very familiar name to us probably today. It's Herod the Great. You might remember him as the one who sought to have Jesus Christ killed as a little baby. <laughs> you could go a generation or two further to his father, and you'll find King Agrippa I, who the story in Acts chapter number 12, made, um, remember that he, he was the one who had the apostle James killed. And also was the one who lifted himself up and said, I'm God, I'm the one here to worship, and we know that God struck him dead. Because uh, he's not going to allow anyone to take his glory from him. But here we find his son here, King Agrippa II. And, and um, he was a, a learned man, learned in the Jewish traditions and all these things. And he he's, seems to be the leader of this group. And the Apostle Paul was brought before him. And he asked the Apostle Paul to give a defense for himself. Now I think about the Apostle Paul, who God has again used in such a great way. He could have given many things as a defense for himself. He could have talked about, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He could talk about, I sat under the feet of Gamaliel. All these things <coughs> he could have mentioned. But, you know, in Acts chapter number 26, you'll find that the Apostle Paul simply shared his testimony. He simply shared who Jesus Christ is and how Jesus Christ had worked in his life. You know, when I think about a, a testimony this evening, I simply think of a story. You know, we all have a story. We could tell our individual story, and it's, it is. All our stories are different. We could sit here tonight and we could go aisle by row by row and we could tell where we came from. Uh, we could tell the different parents we had, the, the, maybe the jobs we had growing up, the schools we went to. And we could tell our story of how we got to sitting in the pew here at Crooked Creek Baptist Church this evening. 
And all of our stories, as I mentioned, would be different. But you know, when it comes to our salvation story, our salvation testimony, if there's been a point in our life where we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's all the same story. We know, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I think a simple definition of a of a testimony would be a first-hand authentication of a fact, or simply an open acknowledgement of something in our life. And when it comes to our salvation testimony, it's simply an open acknowledgement of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's what we find the Apostle Paul sharing here, an open acknowledgement of what Jesus Christ had done for him. And I'd like us to quickly just see four reasons this evening why our testimony is power and why we should be willing to share it with the lost around us. First of all, we see our testimony is power and we should share it simply because there's been a problem presented. A problem presented. We see that in our text verse in verse 18, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Obviously, if there's going to be eyes opened, there must be darkness. There must be blindness. We find this problem of blindness. We find this problem of Satan's power. You know, the Apostle Paul knew what it was to be blind, both physically and spiritually. If you were to go back to Acts 9, you'll find that after he met Christ on that road to Damascus, he was blind for three days um, before uh, Ananias came and healed him of his blindness. <clears throat> you'll find... The Apostle Paul um, also, he mentions a thorn in the flesh. And some scholars think that maybe the Apostle Paul had an issue with his eyes. And we're not for sure about that. But maybe the Apostle Paul wasn't able to see well physically. But the Apostle Paul definitely knew what it was to have to be blind spiritually. And he begins to share with these men in verse 9 of Acts 26. Says he begins to share of who he was before he met Christ. He says in verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And then he, he begins, I won't read the rest of the verses, but if you read verse 10 and 11 there, you'll find uh, him sharing who he was before he met Christ and what he was on his way to do. He was, of course, on his way to persecute Christians. He was on his way to have them thrown into prison, to have them persecuted for preaching Christ. Our text verse also talks about Satan's power. If you would look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I think Satan's power is definitely seen today in the world in which we live. Second Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 4. <coughs> Apostle Paul, speaking here, says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world, wouldn't you say he's done a good job of blinding the hearts of mankind? Man, don't have to look around us very long to see a world in darkness. A world with a problem that's been presented. A problem of sin. We know the problem for the wages of sin is death. We know the consequences. We know for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God for the wages of sin is death. This problem that's been presented. You know, and it is especially. It's easy. You can see it here. But man, when you fly into a small village like in Greenland or, um, you know, into another part of the world, um, you really see Satan's work. You really see the blindness of those who are without hope, without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, our testimony is power because there's been a universal problem that's been presented. But secondly, our testimony is power, and I like this one, because there's been a universal solution that's been offered. Yes, there is a problem, but there's been a universal solution that's been offered, and that's simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might ask, what is the gospel? Well, again, you'll have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Very clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it's simply the death, 
burial, and resurrection. It's what Jesus Christ came to do. To seek and to save that which is lost. So our testimony is power not just, again, because of just a solution that's been offered. Our testimony is power because we have the only solution. <clears throat> Jesus Christ himself declared in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, you can't get to God the Father unless you come through his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only way. You know, all the other religions in the world, you can name anyone you want to. You know, they say... Or you can name any you know any religion you want to, and you look at their person and that they would look up as their god, or those that you they would say you're to follow, and you could go to their grave today, and guess what? You could still find them there. But you know, you go to the grave of our Savior, you won't find anyone there, and that's because we serve a living God, a living Amen. Savior. What gives our testimony more power than the realization that we serve a living Savior today? Yes, you know, I love the song, I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what man may say. Then ask the question, how do I know He's living? I know because He lives right here. He lives in my heart. We serve a risen Savior, we serve a risen God. Again, all the other religions in the world, you know, they claim you have to do something good enough to please their God. <clears throat> you got to work hard enough. you got to, of course, Lutheranism up in Greenland would say you've got to do certain things. you got to be baptized as a baby, you got to be confirmed at 13, all these things. And just maybe, when you... Stand before God. If your good works outweigh your bad, just maybe he might let you into his heaven. You know, that's not who our God is. Our God is a God who's given us a free gift of salvation that we just have to, by faith, accept. What a good God he is to us. There's been a problem presented. There's Our testimony is power because of a universal solution that's been offered. But thirdly and quickly, our testimony is power, and we should share it because there's been a life that's been transformed. You know, I believe the power of the gospel does transform a life. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to have a transformed life. He begins, as I said, he shared who he was before he met Christ. But if you were to go back to Acts chapter number 9, and then you'll, you'll find him. Of course, he's met there by Ananias, and he's healed of his blindness. And then it says, I believe it's in verse 20 of Acts 9, and straightway he went and preached the gospel in the synagogues. And then it says, all the people around him said, wasn't this the guy that just a few days ago was persecuting Christians and had them thrown into prison? And what happened in the life of the Apostle Paul? And the Apostle Paul, it says just another verse or two later, he was preaching that this is very Christ. And so when those people came to him and said, what's, what's going on with you, Paul? What happened in your life? And he didn't point to himself and say, well, yeah, I've, I've just turned over a new leaf. I've just uh, changed myself. No, he pointed to Christ and say, he's the one who changed my life. He gave me new hope. He gave me a new life, a new direction in life. And I have a new master in my life. What a good God we serve. A life that's been transformed from darkness to light. He also, the Apostle Paul says, we're made new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'm not saying this evening that the moment you get saved, we know that um, there's a work in progress, right? It's called sanctification in a Christian's life. It's called a <clears throat> growing in grace, studying to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's a direction of seeking to grow you know, the Apostle Paul said he wanted to teach them the things, the meat of God's word, but they were still on the milk. He wanted them to grow. A life that's been transformed, made new creatures in Christ. You know, I think the world recognizes the difference in the life of a Christian. They recognize the difference. You know, when I claim to be a Christian, I, just recently I <laughs> sat down and I was thinking, wow, when I tell someone I'm a Christian, I am telling them I am a Christ-like one. I'm a follower of Christ. And then I began to think, wow, how many times in my life I say I'm a Christian, but my actions don't really seem to show that I'm a follower of Christ. 
how many times my testimony, the testimony of the gospel, not just my testimony, but the testimony of the gospel can be hindered because of my life, because of my words, because of the way I'm living. I worked at Hertz Rental Car for about a year and a half when I got out of Bible college, and I was working with two guys every day that I, um, I knew needed Christ, and I was praying for an opportunity, and um, I hadn't had the opportunity. I'd been there about two weeks, and I was driving down the road with Greg one day, and we were in the, in the car, and Greg was telling me a story, and mid-sentence, he looked over at me, and he kind of stopped, and he said, Gage, I just want to apologize to you because I was getting ready to say a curse word, and I just want to apologize to you for that. <clears throat> and I, it kind of took me back in my seat a second. I sat there, and I was thinking... I haven't said a word to this guy. I've been here two weeks. haven't had an opportunity yet. But just in a two-week period of time, he realized that I didn't say the same things he did. And I don't say that at all to lift myself up, but just to say he recognized something different. And, you know, that didn't give me an opportunity to say, well, yeah, look at myself and look, yeah, I don't say the same things you do. I don't do the same things you do. But it did give me an opportunity to say, yes, you're right, I don't. But there's a reason. That's because... The Holy Spirit of God, he's worked in my heart. He's changed my life. And the same God who's changed my life is willing to change yours too if you'll let him. That's the power of a changed life. That's the power of a testimony. All because of who Christ is. When I start glorying in myself, there's a problem. When I start saying, oh yeah, look at at me, there's a problem. No, if there's anything good in me this evening, if there's anything good in our lives, it's because of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in our lives. We can't take any credit. We have to give the credit to God. Amen. So we've seen a problem that's been presented, a life that's been, or a solution that's been offered, a life that's been transformed. Can I ask us this evening, how is that transformation process in our lives? Is, our, is the testimony of Jesus Christ being hindered because of something in our lives that's hindering God wanting to work through our lives to see people come to him? And lastly this evening, our testimony is power and we should share it because there's been a command that's been given. Simply a command that's been given. We know Mark sixteen fifteen. We know the Great Commission verses. It says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know that word go? It's not if I... Sometimes in my life, I like to see it as if I feel like it today, I'll go. Or if I have time today, I might go. But that's a continual command. Literally, as we are going, we're to be continually going. Where? Into all the world. You know that does include Greenland, yes. It does include all the missionaries that you support around the world. But it also includes... Right, it's outside these doors. It also includes our next door neighbor, yes. our neighbor across the street, the lady at Walmart, the lady at the gas station. That so many times in our busyness, and I know in my busyness of life, I walk right by and don't even see the need. God wants us to see the need for the world. Maybe we can make that personal in our lives tonight. Make that personal and not just see the world, but see our neighbor, see our friends, see our coworkers as the world. The need to get the gospel. A command is given. What can we do? We can. We might say, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to maybe take someone through scripture and help them know for sure heaven's their home. And if you don't, I encourage you tonight to, to learn how to do that. But you know, you can simply tell what the gospel is and how it has affected your life personally. That's the testimony. That's the testimony part. That's what the apostle Paul did. And in conclusion, if you look with me in Acts 26, once again, <coughs> Acts 26. I just like us to see the apostle Paul gets done here and he... I think he sees the Holy Spirit of God working in King Agrippa's life after sharing his testimony. And in verse 27, he says, of Acts 26, he really gives, I guess, what we call today as an invitation to King Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We don't know that Agrippa ever accepted Christ. We were never told. I hope that he did. <laughs> but you know what? So many times in our lives, 
we must realize that whether you're the one that gets to plant the seed and for the first time they get to see the need to get the gospel, maybe you're the one who gets to put a little water on that seed and help them, maybe that's the fifth time they've heard it, but help them understand a little more of what Christ has done for them. Or maybe you're the one that gets to see the increase and see that person come to know Christ. But, you know, no matter where you're at in that planting, watering, or seeing the increase, you know, that Great Commission verse doesn't say go into all the world and get people saved. We can't save anyone. We're just commanded to go and preach. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then we have to leave the results up to God. So can, can I ask us in conclusion this evening, first of all, how is our testimony doing? Maybe you're here... Well, let me back up and say maybe there's someone here tonight that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you to get that settled tonight? There's a God who loves you. There's a God who's willing to save you. But for us who know Christ as our Savior, how is our testimony? Is our testimony being hindered because of something in our life? Maybe God's working in our hearts. I don't know what that might be. But would you allow God to begin to purge that out of our lives tonight? Why? So that we can help, through our testimony, point others back to Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and you say, I know my testimony's right. <clears throat> I know I'm right before God, but I want to see the world as my coworkers, as my neighbors. I want to be a better witness. I want to obey that command to continually go into all the world and preach or proclaim the gospel to every creature. I just want to be a better witness for my God. I want to be a better testimony for him. I can ask us to bow our head and close our eyes. Just for a moment, I'm going to pray and then turn it over to Pastor Lead us as he sees fit this evening. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to look into your word tonight. I pray you'd help our testimony to be what it ought to be. Um, I pray that you'd help us to be right before you in our lives and just to simply be a witness. I thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul and uh, that he sets before us just to, to run the race well, to serve you until you take us home. Just help us to do that tonight in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor. Let's continue with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. As the musicians begin to play, I want to just ask you to respond to the God tonight. As He has spoken through His Word, let's respond to the Lord, even right now. If you need to come and spend some time at the altar and pray, you can come. Whatever it may be, just let the Lord have His way in your life. The clear message of the Word of God has been given. The power of a testimony.